and welcome to a special Care Home Management Magazine podcast. I'm Alan Rustad, and today, as we're at the start of a new year, we'll be looking at business trends in the care home sector following the publication of the Christie & Co. annual report. This has always been an important contribution as we look forward to the year ahead and take stock of what have been the trends in 2023. Full details of the report can be seen at christie.com. I have with me three senior figures from Christie & Co. who can look at the general picture and also analyse the trends in their own particular areas of the country. They are Rob Kinsman, the Regional Director for the South, Southwest and Wales, Lee Howard, who is Regional Director for the North and the Midlands, and Martin Dorr, Senior Director who covers Scotland. Well, thank you all for joining me. Before we get stuck into 2024, let's just reflect on 2023 and assess just what kind of year it was. Rob, would you like to lead us off, please? Thanks, Alan. Yes, um, it was a, a, an interesting year. We're obviously now working in an environment of higher interest rates, but fundamentally the needs-driven nature of social care has meant that underlying investor demand remained robust throughout 2023. And that bore out with um, our um, sales analysis suggesting that we actually increased our number of transactions we completed in 2023 by 14% on the prior year. So whilst there were clearly challenges with higher interest rates, we did sell more care home businesses in 2023 than, than the prior year. So um, there's many reasons to be positive. However, um, it was difficult for many providers, especially those in smaller care homes um, and those reliant on local authority fees. So we did see an increased number of closures with a number of providers as utility costs and, and agency costs um, certainly um, you know, bit in certain areas. So it, it's, it's definitely um, a, a tale of you know, two, two stories, really, in many respects. But fundamentally, the investor, you know, the investor appetite is still there. Well, that's good to hear. Lee, how about you in the Midlands and the North? Much the same sort of picture? Yeah, very similar. I think, um, you know, we're always affected by sort of lower property prices and lower fee values than the South in certain respects. But I think the the one key thing for me with the interest rates rising, we actually experienced the number of operators putting more cash deposits into deals, enhanced deposits. And that was largely down to reduce the sort of cost of borrowing and the purchase. Now, I, th I think projecting forward what these people will probably do is actually refinance those assets when the interest rates are slightly lower, which we're obviously hopeful on for the sort of second half of this year. But overall, I mean, in the Midlands and North, our transactions were slightly ahead of um, 2022. Um, and, you know, the demand is still there. I just think it's it, there, there's a lot of pressure on operators with agency costs. And obviously, we've got a a wage uh, increase coming in April, but a lot of the operators are actually prepared and potentially some of them already ahead of the curve on that. But but overall, a relatively, um, despite the interest rates, a relatively stable 2023. That's good. And Martin, in Scotland, how, how were things for you? Yeah, I think, I think I echo the points that Rob and Lee have just said. In terms of sort of transactions, um, it was actually a busier year than 2022, albeit it felt a much harder year. We sort of started the year with a few deals, and then I think because of what we what we'll you know we'll come on to speak about, but the interest rates and the impact of sort of trustonomics in September twenty two really really hammered our market, and you know I saw a real dip in activity from sort of March right the way through to probably 
August, September time. And then there was almost this flurry of activity as people felt sort of comfortable with the, uh, you know, the stable interest rates to suddenly kick on and do some deals that they'd intended to do earlier in the year. So, you know, in, I think we ended the year with sort of 16 homes sold in Scotland, which, you know, as a year on year comparison is, you know, is, is, is very much a strong year. So, yeah, I think started off well, then slumped and then ended strong. So, uh, you know, reasonably positive. It does look encouraging that uh, post-COVID confidence is returning. Do you find that people are coming to you and that they're recognising that beds need to be filled? Is, is that what you're finding, Lee? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, we've seen occupancies increase over the last two years um, to almost at uh, sort of pre-pandemic levels. But I think, you know, the, there is a counter side to that as well, that obviously there is a lot of care home closures, as Rob points out as well. So that leads to a lack of beds, which also leads to an increase in occupancies. Um, but but overall, yeah, it, it, occupancies are, are pretty a positive stat on that front at the moment. And looking at fee levels in Scotland, Martin, uh, how does it go? Are, are fees rising generally in in the sector? I think we, we are in a pretty unique position in Scotland where we have sort of a national care home contract, which effectively looks across all 32 local authorities and tries to have a collective fee for all. Over the years, we've started to see some councils step away, you know, Highland Council, Glasgow Council to sort of name a few, um, but they've very much followed in line with where the national care home contract rate is going. Last year, we, we had a breaking point in that national care home contract, which is very, very significant. It's the first time that Scottish care members have rejected the national care home contract in its entirety. But as usual, um, there was a little bit of a, a standoff with no real increase in fee offered, despite despite the, the Scottish care rejecting. Um, and then in the end, a, a reluctant acceptance of a 6% increase, which you know, basically the sector said was nowhere near, um, you know, enough. I think we're the the sort of the, the national care home rate for nursing at the moment is £888.50 a week. And a lot of work's been done to show that the actual true cost of care is around about £1,100 £1, a week. So you can see how far behind the national care home rate is. And, and as a result, uh, you know, homes that have the luxury of, of having private clients in, had, had to react to balance out. So we saw a lot of providers put their private fees up by about 15%, you know, which is a sizable increase, but it's very much necessary. And, you know, we're, we're basically seeing homes that don't have the benefit of, you know, being in an area where they can attract private con, uh, private fees are, are struggling to survive. And we have a review in April this year. Conversations have already started. It looks like that fee increased proposal again is going to be nowhere near enough so we were in a crisis point last year i think come april this year it's going to be even worse so you know i think we could see um you know see a significant reaction from the market when when the fee rates proposed from the national care home rate that's interesting we'll keep our eyes out for that clearly come the, come springtime uh, how about you Roy? In, in the south i would imagine Fee levels have surged ahead quite a bit, haven't they? I think there's massive differences across the regions. We're seeing some areas benefit from really quite significant local authority fee rates and some areas that really haven't benefited in, in the same way at all. So in the southwest, for example, last year, residential fees on average increased by just a little over 3%. In the southeast, it was that, that number was closer to, to 12%. And I think in the South, what you do have is, is the benefit of a, a larger proportion of self-funders, 
which certainly helps providers. Um, and then there's areas like Wales where you have, they've had significant COVID support from the government up to 90% of long-term average occupancy, you know, when times were tough in COVID and a number of providers actually perhaps became a bit reliant on that. And when that support was withdrawn about 18 months ago and the occupancy hadn't rebuilt, you know, we saw a number of, um, you know, providers struggling in Wales. Having said that, they are supported very well in Wales and those out those average increases are significantly ahead of what we've seen in England, which which is fantastic. I think what you are seeing though, Dale, is a big disparity. So in North Wales, for example, the average fee in Wrexham is around £766 per week. And in Torvine in the south, it's £950 per week. And as a percentage, that is just hugely significant when the actual cost of the delivery of care is exactly the same. So, so it's a bit of a postcode lottery, I'm afraid, still. But fundamentally, those fee increases out margins in the businesses because that's gone, you know, in parallel with increased occupancy. So that's definitely helped offset the increased costs in the business. Yes, it's quite a, a mixed picture everywhere, isn't it, really? And we'll have to see how that all develops uh, during the course of 2024. And as we look ahead to that, I mean, you, you seem to give the picture that uh, there is greater positivity generally. But uh, your report does make an interesting element that there's the, the new build is not keeping up with closure rates. Now, is that a national trend or, or does that vary across the country? How, how about you on that one, Lee? Yeah, I mean, I think it varies. I mean, in truth, we've actually seen um, a bit of a, an increase in development in the Midlands and North. And I think, you know, we projected that probably from 2021 down to there being more land available and more affordable land. So we've actually seen a little bit of um, differential in that. However, um, notwithstanding, it has actually halted and slowed down slightly, mainly down to the cost of the build costs which we are starting to hear now is starting to come down slightly, which is a positive thing. But there was a huge shortage of labour, shortage of materials. But the build costs do seem to be coming slightly you know, under control, shall we say. How about you, Martin, in Scotland? Uh, are build costs coming down there or is, is there a bit of a retraction in, in new builds? Yeah, I think I think unfortunately for Scotland, we, we're seeing a slowdown in new build um, and that is driven principally by our regulatory body the care inspector up here a couple of years ago they basically came out with new guidelines that anyone building a new build home had to um, comply to new standards so what the, the sort of key points is that they have they have reduced the amount of beds that you can build so in England there is no sort of restriction on the amount of beds that you can build when you build a new care home in Scotland now you cannot build more than 60 beds and the, the biggest scuppering point, I would say, is that they have insisted on if a 60-bed care home is built, that it must be built in units of 10 and no more. So you're effectively creating 10, you know, six 10-bed care homes within a 60-bed care home. Now, where, where that really just doesn't make sense is on the staffing model. So, you know, where we've got a problem at the moment, the staffing is 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 the biggest challenge and the layout of having 10 bed units when you know you're working on ratios sort of one to six it just it just doesn't work so um we've seen developers who and operators in scotland you know effectively cherry picking the primest locations to build which means the new build is is exclusively in your affluent parts of scotland such as aberdeen edinburgh you know your affluent parts of glasgow and the secondary locations and and 
the sort of rural locations that are screaming out for beds will simply get no new build provision at all. So yeah, it's been it's been really, really challenging. We're seeing developers take their interest south of the border to build homes down there for operators. Um, and we're seeing corporate operators not interested in coming north of the border because because of the care inspectorate and the regulations. So we're get, you know, we are we are definitely seeing more closures than new build. And I think once the the stream of new build that's been uh, already sort of, you know, committed to ground, once all that comes out the ground, we're going to see a big gap where, you know, I think the Scottish Government and Care Inspector will have to look and say, right, we need to we need to do something to encourage new build in Scotland. That's that's worrying, isn't it, with the future in mind? Because obviously the uh, the number of beds is not going to be declining, or the number of needed beds is not going to be declining uh, anytime soon. Rob, I would imagine in your part of the world, um, building has gone on uh, quite a bit, hasn't it, during the last uh, 12 months, 18, 18 months since uh, COVID finished? Absolutely, Alan. Our, our development team are flat out and they actually grow their, their, the numbers in their team last year to, to sort of cope with the demand from investors and developers. We're definitely seeing more activity in, in the region. So we haven't really seen historically that much development in sort of, you know, Devon and Cornwall, but we're now seeing corporate providers and developers go down into into the West Country and take advantage of the uh, undersupply in those areas. Those areas are really tri- quite tricky in terms of staffing because obviously you're competing with the you know the leisure and tourism industries down there. But but fundamentally, there's a good private pay market and there's an undersupply of you know really good compliance stock. So we've seen more development in in you know further west. Um, we've seen developers starting you know to pull back on. The spatial standards, we, we definitely saw, you know, some phenomenal developments in the last few years in terms of, you know, um, gross internal area, which we measure. It's a sort of a measurement by the gross internal area per resident. So that was a metric that exceeded you know, 60 square meters per resident in new, in new developments in the last couple of years. And developers are pulling that back slightly as they're seeing, you know, build costs still, still rise. But, you know, th- there's definitely more activity in the West Country. We're not seeing that in Wales, unfortunately. Um, they're, they're, we sold a site to Hallmark Healthcare in Cardiff about uh, just over 12 months ago, and they'll be building out a new 80-bed facility in Cardiff. But other than that, there's little uh, new build um, activity in Wales, and, and really due to the, the the sort of thin private pay market outside, you know, that M4 and Cardiff area, really. So uh, again, it's it's a mixed picture. Um, and, you know, much as Martin said, we're seeing more closures than openings. And so the, the net number of beds in the market is is dropping um, at a point in time when, when demand's higher than it ever has been. Yes, that's clearly disappointing. So if we we've mentioned already the economic pressures at the moment and the high interest rates. Do you all three of you feel that when interest rates start to come down, as we hope they will during the course of this year, will that open the tap again, do you think, to uh, more new building and more transactions? Let's begin with you, Lee, up in the Midlands and the North. Yeah, I mean, help a lot. Yeah, I think it will. I mean, you know, there's no doubt that the cost of borrowing has, um, shall we say, slightly limited the marketplace, although the demand's been there. I think what it will do is enable more operators to expand quicker than they perhaps wanted to. So operators that we spoke to last year perhaps acquired one or two units on an expanding group, and they probably wanted to do three or four, but probably the cost of borrowing stopped them doing that. So I think as interest rates come down, it will certainly open up the top end of the market as well. 
from the investment point of view, which has been a little bit static due to the interest rates. Um, but obviously, there's noises in the US that you know that their interest rates going to start to come down, and that obviously attracts overseas REIT investment from the US as well into the UK. So that's got to be a, a positive for you know this year if the interest rates do come down. Yes, and you're expecting the same in in Scotland, Martin. Do you think with with interest rates do come down there? Yeah, very much so. I mean, I think what we do see from operators in in the care sector is that despite, you know, the interest levels increasing and the cost of borrowing increasing, you find that they're still willing to try and find ways to make to make deals happen. And if that means going to challenger banks or, you know, going to funds who are a little bit more expensive, we're still seeing that that sort of acceptance and um almost with a view of they'll 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 take the money at a slightly more expensive rate just now to look at hopefully in in the next 12 18 months you know refinance at sort of more sensible levels but what what we find if if there is stability then people are are confident and and encouraged to sort of continue to press on so i think that, you know we've we've hopefully reached a peak in where the interest rates are and over this next 12 18 months start to see them come down a little bit i think that will see uh you know see operators move move quicker to do deals and, and Rob, do you have any of your clients who look at interest rates and maybe saying to you, well, we're going to hold off for another six to nine months? I think there's been a, a very much um, wait and see um, approach from a number of providers um, in 2023, but a, a number that really had benefited from, you know, a rebound in occupancy and, and good fee increases. So, so I think whilst there was a number that actually just have waited for the cost of debt to drop. Um, you know, our, our, the sentiment survey we did at the end of 2023 revealed that 46% of providers were looking to acquire a business in 2024. So I think that does show that the general sentiment is is positive and, and the, you know, lower interest rates will definitely help. I think in the investment market, yields, are, 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 you know, have hardened slightly. So we saw yields pushed out significantly last year, and that meant the sort of development and investment market cooled, you know, much more abruptly than the going concern mid-market that we operate in in Maine. So I think those yields are now coming back in slightly, and that will make that the, the sale and lease back and development deals much more feasible. The other thing, Rob, I was going to mention, of course, and to all of you, but let's start with Rob. This is going to be an election year. We're 99% certain of that. Could that have an effect in some way or other? Because social care rarely gets the attention it deserves when elections come round. That's a big question, isn't it? You know, <laughs> social care providers have had uncertainty from so many angles in recent years. And, and in a, a changing government is is an opportunity perhaps for, for social care to be looked at in more detail and, and supported in greater detail, whether a new government would actually have, you know, the, the focus on it to make a big difference, I'm not sure. But I, I really don't see, Alan, that impacting materially on investor demand. Does that go for, for you too, Lee? Would you anticipate anything happening in your area as a result of the election? Yeah, I mean, I think I think as you know, as we always know, social care never gets the attention it deserves. Um, unfortunately, in a sort of an election campaign, but I think you know they are going to have to look at it a little bit more um, closer because the local authority um, operated homes are you know really struggling under their own sort of fee that they they actually pay themselves, shall we say? So that's going to have to be looked at. But I, you know, I also think as well that really from the sentiment survey that we do and the clients that we speak to there is still an appetite to acquire if the right opportunities are there and i don't think that will stop them doing that and martin in scotland uh, we could have quite a big change in the election couldn't we if uh, if the opinion polls are to be believed might that uh, have a big effect on you 
yeah, I mean, the answer is it would have a huge effect. You know, SNP have dominated the uh, the political landscape in Scotland for for many years, and and now seem to be falling out of favour. So, you know, it'll be very interesting to see what happens. I think, you know, as you say, social care has always been sort of the Cinderella service to the NHS, and and you know, when it comes around to elections, they always focus on how much money they're going to pile into NHS, and. You know, I think we, uh, you know, the social care sector is in crisis, uh, definitely in Scotland. It needs it needs help and it needs help soon. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see, you know, what what if a new government came in, what what impact that would have. We also have we also have sellers talking to us just now saying is is now the right year to sell with, uh, you know, a, a, a general election on the way. And, you know, they're worried about what impact that will have on sort of buyer appetite. But, you know, I think I think as a. As a general rule of thumb, the social care sector's always got crisis, always got economic and and political headwinds facing it. But you know, despite all of that, we we tend to continue, and that needs driven government funded appetite sector keeps it keeps it positive and keeps us moving. We'll see. Yes, indeed. Well, let's um wrap this up because it's been an interesting conversation. But let's finish by assuming we're meeting again twelve months from now. Get into your crystal balls. What what are we going to see over the next uh, twelve months? What are we going to be talking about this time next year? Let's begin with you, Lee. I think um, I think very very similar statistics. You know, I think the the demand is there. There's a good balance of people that want to buy and a good balance of people want to sell. I think one of my projections for sort of this year, and it's starting to. Um, come true for the latter part of last year is that these closed care homes, you know, 78% of the closed care homes that we actually sold in the Midlands and the North actually remained in the care sector. So they were actually repurposed into the care. So whilst we're saying there's a huge amount of closures, we were selling 80-bedroom care homes that were being reconfigured to 55 more compliant and reopening. So I I can see more of that happening over the next year or so. That's interesting. How about you, Martin, in Scotland? Where where will you be 12 months from now? Hopefully in a more positive position. I think the year year ahead is looking really positive from a transactional point of view. Um, We're seeing a lot of appetite for, for vendors to exit the market. The appetite to buy them strong. We've got some good groups under offer just now at, at decent levels. We've got new groups coming on to market at decent levels. We've got lots of existing stock that is attracting interest. So, you know, I would like to say that when we get to the, you know, the start of 2025, we're saying we've had a fantastic year and the transactions have been, you know, sizable. But you can't forecast much more than three months ahead at the moment before you get another, you know, economic or political standpoint that influences influences your markets. But at the moment, outlook is positive. That's encouraging, at least, and uh, lots of lots of uh, transactions going on. Rob, how about you? What, what are you expecting to uh, have learnt by this time next year? I think we'll see values overall increase again in the sector. So, 2023, we saw you know pretty much a levelling out of capital appreciation in, in in the average deal values, but I think we'll see an increase in 2024 as we're going to see more transactions and interest rates dropping. So I think that'd be positive in terms of overall values. I think we're going to see an increasing number of opco deals. So where you know where you've got a landlord and, and, and the landlord remains the same, but we're just trading the operational companies. And I think that's a growing element of the market where providers don't want to tie their capital up with the real estate and they can increase bed numbers more quickly by buying opcos only. So I think we're going to see a greater number of OCO transactions and those values will will firm up as well, which is positive. And I think we're going to see increasing focus on ESG, which is the green credentials, um, um, which is 
increasingly important for institutional investors in terms of the energy efficiency of, of the care homes they're building, but also we're going to filter into the mid-market with lenders, you know, particularly focusing on that as well, as well as the CQC asking providers to have a bit of a policy in place. So I think that's going to filter into the market and be a bigger t- talking point as the year progresses. Well, thank you all for that comprehensive look at the care home market. And here's hoping the optimism is well-founded in the 12 months that lie ahead. My thanks go to Rob Kinsman, Lee Howard and Martin Dorr from Christie & Co. And you can catch up with the report in full at christie.com. You've been listening to a Care Home Management Magazine special podcast on business trends for 2024. I hope you found it interesting and informative. So until we meet again with more podcasts, it's goodbye from me.